Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the 83rd episode of the Let's See Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about the concept of imposter syndrome and put you on the path to some serious growth. Maybe you're someone who's applying for a job that you've never had before and you feel unconfident. Maybe you are in a job right now where you don't feel like you're the person that's meant for the role. These are things we're going to discuss today with Rachel Stewart. She is the author of the book, Unqualified Success. Rachel Stewart started as an unqualified office manager, but over the last decade became the general manager of a $22 million restoration company and the CEO of a software development company focused on getting contractors the technology tools they need. It also says, according to her bio, over the years, she's learned that the only limitations to her success were in her own mind. Love that. So I'm so excited to launch into this episode. I don't think I could have had a better guest for this topic. So let's get right to it with our 83rd episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. All right, Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show. And I wanted to launch right into it with the whole concept of imposter syndrome. I think when we say the words imposter syndrome, people have a general sense of what it means. But to you, what what does this concept mean? What is imposter syndrome? For me, I think it's just that underlying uh, insecure feeling that maybe we're like not in the right place or somebody else should be in this place instead of us. And uh, it just is the thing that kind of gets in our way from doing the best work that we possibly could. Exactly. So it's this feeling like we don't belong in a specific situation. And uh, this is the Career Warrior podcast. We have a lot of people who are in job transition and who are moving to a professional setting. But what, what does it feel like psychologically? What does it feel like emotionally if we're going through imposter syndrome? Um, I think the biggest thing is that it's a heavy weight is is how I like you're carrying like what what we're doing is hard enough. Um, in and of itself, but then when we're dealing with imposter syndrome, it's this other weight that that is just like always in the back of our heads, and it's kind of this voice in our heads that says, "Hey, you're not qualified enough to be able to be doing this." Um, who do you think you are? <laughs> what it said? Are these other people's challenging you, or is it just is it all is it all you? Is it all inner game? Well, I think imposter syndrome is 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 all inner. Now, okay. if there's if there's something else that's happening external, I, th- I think I would call that something else. People being mean to you, people challenging you. <laughs> people, yeah, exactly. And they could or could, could uh, be right. Uh, most of the time they're probably off. But um, yeah, the, the, the imposter syndrome is, is an internal dialogue that's going on usually. Okay. I would love to hear, since I know we talked before this podcast episode about your specific experience with it, but I was wondering if you could open up just to talk about your career progression and your path climbing up the ladder. Uh, There are a lot of people I know who are going through the same thing that you went through previously, but I would just, I would love to hear your story again. I know listeners would. Oh, sure. So um, back in 2008, I was a stay at home mom um, at the time, we had three of our four kids, and I spent most of my days 
you know, doing puppet shows and changing diapers and, and that kind of thing. I, I've always liked to stay busy. So I did do some graphic design and some book layout on the side, but most of my time was spent um, taking care of little ones. So um, my, we had just bought a house and we were kind of living the American dream and just cruising along. Then the recession of 2008 hit and my husband lost his job and we lost half the value of our home overnight and we were kind of wondering what was going to be next and feeling a little bit of anxiety around that. Um, and an opportunity presented itself for me to go back into the working world and to get a position as an office manager bookkeeper. And I really didn't have any experience um, in this area. I had some office experience and I had, you know, used QuickBooks a little bit, but, but nothing to the extent of, of what I'd be walking into. Um, so <laughs> that was uh, my, my transition back into the working world. And it, just led to so many opportunities like that. And I say that I've pretty much been unqualified for every role and every position that I've ever held. <laughs> aren't we all to some degree, aren't we all? Yeah. Yes. So I own that. I'm kind of proud of it because I think that there's so much that we can learn in the process of doing and just getting our feet wet and being willing to take a chance and uh, learn as we go and um, just being really hungry for growth along the way. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that story. And, uh, for me, my experience with imposter syndrome has been, uh, primarily it was when I transitioned to my job, founding a company. And it's, it's a weird thing. We talked about this earlier, like my title is CEO and that blows my mind. I'm like, I'm not a CEO. Like what, what am I, I don't wear like a suit and tie and like walk around and like shake people's hands real hard and, and smoke cigar. I don't know, whatever stereotypical things CEOs do. Um, and so for me, it was this thing that I was afraid to do when people asked what I did or what, what my role was. Um, they said, what do you do? And I would, I would kind of shy away from my real answer. I would say things, this is to my family, friends, anyone who would ask, I would say, like, oh, I'm, I'm a head resume writer for a company, you know, just because I felt like that made so much more sense. I'm like, oh, I, I write resumes because that's one thing I was good at. But in truth, I really I'm, a, I'm the person who's in charge of the company. And for me, that was my own experience with imposter syndrome. Whenever I I'd said the word CEO and I still I still have it a little bit at the back of my head, I'll be honest. Um, it just it feels a little off. So I I I. I don't think we can emphasize what you've said enough it's like this is something where we could grow and be challenged by and definitely warm into so and the the way that i'm experiencing it the most right now is i've transitioned into being the ceo of a technology company and that has been you know confronting that again because I, i'm not a technology person and so you're like what what business do i have in development and running a development team and all of this kind of stuff. So there's that dialogue happening a lot uh, in my current position. And I think anybody who's growing and yeah. taking that up in their career, or whatever, they're going to be facing this at different in different scenarios and yes. in different aspects of their career. And and to just recognize that it's it's coming, <laughs> it may be there. And exactly. Rachel, do you think there's a, do you think we know when we're going through imposter syndrome, what do you think the signs are that we are putting ourselves in that box? Do you think it can be subtle? Like some, not all of us are saying I'm being impostered right now, but 
What do you think? Um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, th- yeah, it can exist on a spectrum, and you know, I in my book, I don't even call it imposter syndrome. I f- I call it this feeling of being unqualified. And so, and I think it can show up everywhere. Like it doesn't just have to be in our careers. It shows up, you know, like for me, it often shows up in my parenting, <laughs> you know, like what business do I have raising people? You know, I'm totally unqualified to do this yeah. work. They don't have an owner's manual or whatever. And so it can happen in so many different aspects. And so the signs probably vary, but it's, it's that self-doubt, I think okay. that can, you know, the whatever voice that says, do you really know what you're doing and who do you think you are? It's funny. I've heard the the parent analogy slash comparison before. A lot of the times when we're going to be a parent for the first time, we don't. This is what I've heard. I'm not a, I'm not a parent, but I, I hear it just feels like you don't know what you're doing for the first child. But um, it, it all works out for the most part. You know, you get that experience. So. For sure, I, yeah, and then yeah. every aspect, you're like, "Wait, teenagers?" Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a different. That's a different story, but yeah. Um, cool. I, I want to play devil's advocate for a little bit, just because I think it's I the way I like to do my podcast. I do a 360 view here, but let's talk about the unqualified thing. How do I know if I'm actually unqualified? I'm sure there are people who are unqualified for certain jobs, and is there a way to know that this isn't the right path for me? For instance. Uh, yeah, so that's interesting that you use the word right path. So I do, obviously, there is some certain baseline um, qualifications that somebody needs to do certain professions. Like okay. if you're a doctor, you probably should go to medical school. Sure. You know what I'm saying? You shouldn't just go out and start practicing medicine. But assuming that you have all of those baseline, you know, qualifications for a certain career path, um, I think I think then when you go to, is this the right career path for me? I don't think there is such thing as right. There's choices that we have. There's um, different decisions that can lead us to different places. But when you say, oh, is there one right way or, right. or is this the right career? I think it's more about what are you passionate about? Like what feels exciting to you? You know, And you could be passionate about this certain project that you're working on just as well as you can be passionate about something else. Um, right. And, right. And so I, I guess, um, I don't know if that answers your it, question in, in terms it, of how it, I view it. It does get the ball rolling, I think in a way, because I'm just thinking for, I'm really glad you said that, by the way, there is no one right answer. I think a lot of people are looking for their perfect magical fit, whether it's in a relationship, you're looking for the one right person. Like I, I believe there, it, there's no one person in the same way that there's no one perfect job. So um, I do believe that, and at least in my own experience, there are certain jobs that I would probably thrive in because it's it's just naturally what I'm good at and certain jobs that I would not thrive in, but I'd probably be okay at. Um, I think sales, for instance, if I was a sales rep, I probably would do an okay job at it. I would you know, learn to shift some things, but I think at its core, I, I wouldn't really crush it like a lot of those other sales reps out there who are naturally born to do this kind of thing. So I think it's like what what engages you, what gets your blood flowing, you know, and it's not that you couldn't be good at sales. This is just not maybe where your passion lies. And sure. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't say like 
restorations, you know, we, so what we do is we put, put people back in their homes after a flood or fire or major catastrophe. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like when I grew, you know, was growing up, I was like, Oh, you know what I really want to do. But there's parts of this business that is so engaging to me being able to help people at their like darkest moments and stuff like that. You know, they've had a really traumatic experience and we do something that, that feels but aside from that, just like the people that I get to interact, the teams I get to build, all of those kind of things um, help me have passion about it. And But I also feel like I could do a million other things that I would be equally passionate about. And so it's what engages you. And I also would say that... Great way to put that, yeah. Yeah, and I think you have to be careful about, okay, when, when, when I say, what are you passionate about? There are going to be moments in every career that are just hard <laughs> and may not feel like super engaging or exciting. They can be draining and they can be difficult and they can be challenging. And it's being able to like have grit through those moments, but knowing ultimately that like this is something that you really want. Great. You've given some really good insights and advice so far. And what I want to do is, since we've set up this this concept very well, I want to talk about how we can deal with the feeling of being unqualified or imposter syndrome, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, let's talk about I really agree with you. This is one thing we talked about before. I think it's a it's a sign of growth. And uh, for me, I'm always trying to live on my edge. Uh, that moment of being uncomfortable, even though I don't want to be uncomfortable, I'm, I'm a believer of that. But um, how, okay, step number one, I feel unqualified. Wh- what do I do? How do I get over this? Okay, so I think step number one, and it's the first chapter in my book, is you have to start with mindset. So I think you have to go back and look at what thoughts are creating those feelings. And I think so many times we think that if we get, uh, we take action and we, and we do certain things, we get another certification, we go back to school and get that further degree or whatever, that we're suddenly not going to feel unqualified, like taking action and having achievement is going to change that. Um, but that is not the case. You could be in this perpetual loop of trying to, you know, have achievements that are going to make you feel qualified. So you have to first start with mindset and what thoughts are driving how you're feeling. And that's really going to be the starting point. And so, and there's a lot of different techniques that you can do to change mindset. So you were saying about sales. So if you take, Hey, I'm not very good at sales and that's kind of your thought process, but you need to like as a CEO or whatever you're doing, you you have to do a certain number, certain amount of selling to promote your company. So that's a Truth. thought that, that you're going to have to address and master. So it's like, okay, so you're starting from a place where I'm not good at sales and you need to get to, I love sales and I'm really successful at them. And in between that, there's a lot of layers that you can start working at and it's called bridging. And so maybe you can't get from the very bottom to the very top, but maybe you could get from, I'm not good at sales and I don't like sales to, I can learn to be good at sales. Yes. And if you replace that thought over and over and over, then you can come from, you know, and you just start bridging your way up the ladder until you can get to a place where you're like, I'm great at sales. I love it. I love that. And you're a true warrior because that's, that's the philosophy I've preached. And this is the philosophy our guests have preached for the most part in our past episodes, but the agree, the idea of progression and not getting there tomorrow, you're not going to be a hundred percent perfect tomorrow like a lot of people want to be 
I like the idea of slowly growing and slowly, slowly building upon it till you have more confidence that's justified and makes sense. Um, this, this man wasn't one of our guests, but he was a, a YouTube video I actually watched where he talked about growth and change. And I'm a big fitness guy. So he used the analogy of you can't all of a sudden start benching 200 pounds. You have to start, you know, with the lowest weight and progressively start moving up. So I think it's, it's the same concept of, you know, working and bridging the gap, so to speak. Are there things to do? Like, um, I'm a big believer in, uh, journaling and things like that, but what, how do you think are, are ways to get inside your head for thought patterns? It's, it's, it's a hard thing to think about your, your mind when we have a lot of things going on. For sure. So I think I, I mean, we have so many thoughts going through our heads all, all of the time. And so I think what you need to first start doing is identifying the ones that can, are perpetual. Um, so, so there might be thoughts that come in and then you can easily replace them and fleeting, but there's ones that are more stagnant, but like kind of make up who, who our identity is and like, okay. Oh, I'm not this kind of and stuff like that. So I think identifying, so start, yeah, keeping a journal of what thoughts are really, um, not serving you and how often they're coming in and so that you can start seeing that this is kind of a pattern for you and then start with a thought that you could replace that with. And so when you're journaling, like you said, you are identifying and it makes it really easily easy that next time that thought comes in that, that you're, you can easily identify it and then you can replace it with something else. Okay, great. Um, no better way I think to kick that off because the mind is such a powerful thing and you have to change those thought patterns. Um, there's a few things I could think that I need to change my thought patterns on right now. And I will say, yes, journaling has been good for me. So that's good. What's, what's another thing that we can do to remove that utter just gut feeling about being unqualified? Yeah. So I think another thing is recognizing that you aren't alone in that feeling so just bringing awareness to it that um, there's not something inherently wrong with you and that this is pretty much universal for anybody who's on this growth trajectory and to not let it stop you. So, you know, fear is going to come along with you. Failure is going to come along with you. And, yes. you know, accepting that and taking away maybe the shame and, you know, I don't know, like when we fail, it feels so personal. <laughs> to ourselves but when we see other people fail yeah guys that that's just something that didn't work it doesn't have any correlation to their value as a human being or the work that they're doing or anything it's just something that didn't work and so when you can kind of remove that stigma from it and, and realize that hey this is part of the journey yeah when i was at cornell that another really big instance where I felt like an imposter. I'm like, I'm at this university. Everyone is 10 times smarter than me. Um, but no, I, I, I had those exact moments of feeling like a uh, complete failure. And this was um, just examples like sophomore year. Uh, the test got really hard. I remember just like really struggling and um, people are like, oh yeah, I got like, I, I feel like I crushed it. I'm like, I definitely did not crush that. I don't know about you. Um, to your point, I had some friends who shared the same feeling of, I, you know, that was a really challenging exam for me. And I, I also completely bombed it. Um, that did make me feel a hundred percent better. And, um, that's a fact. 
So I talk about that exact example in the book, not necessarily yours at Cornell, but they did a Harvard study and they were, they asked all of the Harvard, you know, students that got admitted, like how many of you feel like you were the one mistake that the admissions like committee yeah. in your entry. And like two thirds of them said, no, that's me. I'm like not supposed to be here. And so like all of us, like, are most people experience that feeling like that they're over their heads out of their depth and yeah. i think that's a good sign that you're reaching your dreams like you're you're sure. continuing to push yourself and when you feel like that um, that discomfort that uncomfortable like oh can i do this am i in over my head i think that that's kind of a sign hey you're on the right i think if this episode could get down to one message i think it's the fact that if you're feeling this unqualified feeling, you know, deep in your gut. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it means you're growing. I'm thinking back to every single moment when I did feel unqualified and that was a growth moment for me. And, um, it, it had a tremendous impact because I think those were the moments when I felt like I was growing the most, like when I first stepped into that CEO position, when I was at Cornell, when I stepped into this restaurant manager job that I'd, I'd never done before in my life. Um, those were the moments when I felt like I took it to the next level. So and I think it's going to be those things that when you, you know, you, you look back on your life, you're retired, sitting in a rocking chair that like are going to bring you the most joy and have brought the most fulfillment to your life. Not necessarily the stuff where you're like, oh yeah, I was, I'm the most qualified person to, to be in that room. And I totally know my thing. <laughs> I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to be the most qualified person in the room. So Yeah. Um, I know you're a hiring manager. I'm going to launch into that a little bit. I want people to put their best foot forward in their job search. But is there anything that we absolutely cannot miss here? You know, we do a lot of hiring in, in the various positions. And I found that like a lot of the technical skills, a lot of that, you know, whatever makes somebody qualified for a job is not what I'm looking for. And I'm looking more for the passion and the characteristics that that maybe... Um, can help them solve problems, um, the grit to stay in discomfort, the, you know, dealing with fear, being able to, you know, accept failure and maybe even embrace it because that's where a lot of innovation comes from. Um, just being hardworking and having passion about what you do. Those are things that I can't train. That's just, you know, characteristics that somebody has developed over time and practice and, and effort. Um, so that's a lot about what I'm looking for and it's less about necessarily what their resume, although obviously that's a really important part of what you do and is an important part of getting that first interview yeah. and then in that interview selling them on all of those other kind of characteristics. Perfect. Yeah. I want to ask about uh, specific elements. I'm sure you've had a lot of experience looking at a bunch of different resumes and interviews. Um, but let's let's talk about the resume first, just cause I am a resume, like resume company owner. I think that's the most important thing, but let's say you have someone who hasn't had the experience of say being a project manager before, and you're hiring for someone who is going to be a project manager. How would you even, you know, get noticed if you were that person? And, and if you're on your end, why would you think that person is a good fit for the role? Um, if they haven't had the specific title before? Yeah. So I think, you know, when, when we're doing that and we're, we're creating a, like usually how we do it is we create a position profile 
And so much of the position profile does, it has a lot of the characteristics and traits that this person would need to, to do the job. So okay. it's somebody, I'm not looking at a title. Okay. Um, good on you. That same title could make them very, like, not a good fit for this position just because they haven't developed the characteristics that we're looking for. So, so for one, I think a lot of it has to do with whoever's reading your resume and what they're looking for. But I think highlighting all of like the, the traits and experience that you have that, that could apply to this position. And so maybe you haven't been a project manager, but you have a lot of customer service experience and you have um, the ability to keep schedules very organized and on, on time and, you have all of these other other characteristics that are needed to apply to this this position. Sure, definitely highlight those in your resume and highlight um, the traits that would would cross over and and how you've excelled. And, and um, advice I've heard from other recruiters who have said the same thing you have. Other HR professionals is um, make sure it's shown. If you have a two page resume and you absolutely need to show it, make sure it lands on the first page and possibly take that one step forward and bring it to the top of the resume because I know you guys don't have time. You can't you can't spend as minutes and minutes on the resume at seconds. Also getting a little creative about the way that you present your resume, you know, and even in like your cover letter or anything like that where, where somebody can really get a sense of who you are, um, you know, versus just because I know it's so difficult to kind of sum that up in but avoiding kind of all of your generic type of phrases on a resume and your sure. Okay. So you're interviewing someone. What are the things that about a candidate that makes them stand out that makes you want to hire them? Yeah. So I would say um, giving very detailed and specific examples of those kind of characteristics and those traits. And what I'm always trying to look for is somebody who, who wants to grow somebody who um, is always take kind of like taking that initiative to take on the next project or the next step and, and kind of creating a, their own path. Um, I, I love that in, in somebody. Um, and I'm also looking for just the ability to solve problems. <laughs> if you can learn how to solve a problem, then you can pretty much learn anything. And so those are kind of like a, a couple of the two that, I'm, that are really important to me. Great, fantastic. Well, you've been very helpful, I think, to a lot of people who um, are dealing with this issue. And I know I know, I speak to a lot of them on the phone. So thank you for your answers so far. I can't, uh, can't emphasize that you're probably helping a lot of people going through this, this problem right now. Before we get into your book, which I'm excited to talk about, can you just answer this question? I wrote this down on my piece of paper. If you could tattoo one encouraging message for every single person dealing with imposter syndrome what would that message be? <laughs> um, I've seen some really long messages on, on like as tattoos before. Like I know somebody that has like a, a big long, uh, like saying all across their leg. So I'll keep it kind of simple though. And, you know, I know it's cliche and we hear it so much, but just, just give it a go. Just give it a shot. Like that's would be my, my message is there's so many people that hold back from their dreams and what they really want because they're, they're, you know, afraid that they'll fail or that they don't 
feel unqualified or the world's not gonna, you know, like they don't have anything to offer. And I just think that that's so misleading. Like the most amazing people that I've found that like people that you look at and you go, Oh, look at what they've achieved. They are no different than you and I, they just had the ability to give it a good shot. And then, you know, some staying power, some grit, the ability to solve problems, you know, show up and they've created amazing things. But as far as like intrinsic talent, no different, you know? Yeah. Have put themselves in a position to make great things happen. And so that's kind of what I would encourage your people, you know, the pe- people listening to your podcast is to just give it a shot. Just give it a shot and and don't procrastinate. If you if you think this is something that's on your heart, your call to do, just just boom, do it, do it now. Don't wait till the moment is perfect. I know that was something for me is just like, I, I like to wait till the moment's perfect, but that doesn't really help. I'm just saying, if you're waiting, there's like the way that the world is moving, technology is moving so fast, like businesses are growing at like these rapid paces, everybody's scaling, you know, that's like the thing, like if you're waiting till you have all the right answers or till you feel like you're ready or things are perfect, you're, all of these opportunities are going to pass by you and there's never going to be a perfect time. Great. Well, Rachel, Ken, thank you enough for joining us on the Career Warrior Podcast. You've been a great guest so far. Two questions for you. Number one, how can I follow you? And number two, um, tell me why I should read your book. I'm excited about that. You can go to my website. It's Unqualified Tools. There's a lot of tools uh, to kind of help you get started on your your journey um, or continue on with it. But I'm also, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and all of the social media under Unqualified Success. Um, but probably the biggest reason that you read my book, or that, and this is what I get from other people who have read it, is um, how motivating it is. So even people who felt like, hey, I didn't know I needed motivation, but I read your book and I was really motivated. And two examples of that, or a couple of examples of that is, um, so when I was launching the book, I wanted to hire a PR coordinator that could kind of handle getting it out, out into the world and stuff. And so yeah. one of the requirements when I did that was that they had to read the book before they could even apply for the position because I wanted to make sure that they promote it and they were happy about what what they were doing and could feel passionate about the message and so what ended up happening is I had a couple of people say hey I'm not gonna uh, apply for the job and I was like oh really like (laughs) the book was you know and they were like no it just inspired me so much wow pursue this or I've been wanting this has been a dream for a long time <laughs> wow it's given me the passion to go and the motivation I needed to go do this I'm sure I don't know if you're expecting that but what a great outcome <laughs> so that's why you should read the book that's great it sounds motivating and um, I was reading something last night and it uh, the author said like um, every author has a, a message or a purpose or why they're writing a book but you know a great great author will actually convince people at the end of the book to take action on that message. So it sounds like based on your example, you did, you did exactly that. So that's, that's great. You got me, you got me interested in the book. So cool. Well, Rachel can't thank you enough for joining us and um, we'll have to hit on this topic again. I just, I, I'm glad that you, are you really touched upon this message because I think there are a lot of people, like I said, who are going through this and they need to get over their imposter syndrome or the feeling of being unqualified. So thank you for bringing that message over here. I think you did a great job. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Perfect. 
And this concludes the 83rd episode of the Career Warrior Podcast. Wow, what great insight. And as I said during the middle of the show, I think if we can get you to do one thing, it's just to move past this feeling of feeling unqualified and just try it just to get out and and continue pursuing it because no one feels or I believe no one should feel 100% qualified for anything when they are trying something that's new or something that's a stretch. So it just makes sense that you are going to have this feeling. So I would encourage everyone to listen to this podcast again if you do have that feeling underlying And we have other amazing episodes that I think would also appeal if you think that this one was good. And that is our 31st episode with Clara Chorley talking about career transition and change. And also our second episode, which is called Navigating Career Transitions. So this concludes our 83rd episode. Thanks everyone for tuning in and go out and please be warriors.